Right now, it's about winning points, uh, getting points as quick as we can against difficult teams, by the way, because New York City FC is a very good team on the ball and off the ball also. They like to play out from the back. We need to find a way to, to stop that. But it's, it's just, you know, recharging mentally is as important, if not more important than, than physically. Um, it is. It is. When your mind is okay, then your body follows. Saturday Sports, TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon with John Still. That's the voice of Impact Manager, Cherry Henry. Impact back in action tonight on TSN 690. Myself and Olivier Brett will have the call for you with coverage beginning uh, at 630. Uh, the Impact, of course, going to play on that tiny Yankee Stadium soccer pitch, which uh, John Still is rolling his eyes at. Love the sight lines, too. The sight lines. I've, I haven't watched a soccer game at Yankee Stadium but I've heard that the sight lines from the press box anyway or from our former uh, broadcast booth there, uh, not great. No, not I've, great I've at all. heard some horror stories from, uh, from some folks who have had to do that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Manchester City and the New York Yankees, they can't afford a patch of grass in uh, Manhattan or Belmont well, or whatever. Well, that's the thing. Is <laughs> there is no They also have to go to New Jersey. That's it. <laughs> they don't want to go to Jersey. That's what it comes down yeah, to. That's a fair point. Uh, but the impact, again, there's a huge, uh, again, I hate these cliched, but it's a six-point, it's a six-point match tonight. Uh, New York City is ahead of the impact in the standings. The impact can close the gap though uh, with a big three points tonight. Uh, so the fact that it is impact game day means that Joel Waterman, impact defender, could not join us live. Uh, so we did have to pre-record this. But he was fantastic. We talked about Terry Henry. We talked about Boyan. But we started off by talking about just the. Uh, the va-et-vient between Montreal, New Jersey, and having to quarantine uh, when he's in Montreal and having to uh, basically be stuck to a hotel room or to his hotel room out in Jersey. Here's Joel Waterman of the Montreal Impact. Uh, it's just been uncharted territory for everyone, I think. It's been uh, hard to kind of keep that momentum going. Obviously, we're training uh, a couple of days, and we have a game every three days, and then we kind of stop. And, and like you said, we're in quarantine. We don't get to train. So it's been difficult, uh, obviously, for the Canadian teams more so than – than everyone else but again um that's just the way it is and what the scenario that we're in we're just trying to make the best of it so i mean you went quite a while between appearances there i know you were banged up earlier on in the season and, and now you've gotten back in the lineup and you, you've played well but how did you stay in it mentally between you know the times where you know you you played last and and these last few games here where you've been in yeah i, I don't think there's any secret special sauce about it i think it's just uh trying to stay fit and sharp and um, staying mentally involved in, in training, having good training sessions, and um, just trying to do everything possible to keep your body in the best shape it can be for, for when your name kind of gets called. And especially when we have, like I said, three games or a game every three days, it's, uh, your number's going to be called at some point because you need the bodies, right? So I think for me, it was just trying to stay fit, um, stay sharp, like I said, and, and just trying to stay mentally resilient and, you know, in the hotel and doing extra stuff outside. They're trying to keep my mentality right. and. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to keep normal life as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, we all have that person, you know, friend or family that we vent to. Like, who do you vent to when you're, you know, you're not getting in as much as you want? Ah, I have a lot of people. I have <laughs> uh, a very, very close circle yeah. of, of friends that I call and FaceTime when I'm at home. Obviously, my parents, my family, um, certain coaches that I've, I've worked with in the past, they all kind of keep me grounded. And mm-hmm. uh, it's super important for, for people to have that kind of circle so you can do those kind of things when, when things aren't going your way or even when things are going well. Just have those people close to you so you can uh, kind of keep a level head. And, and when you do play, like when you play a full 90 post-game, will, will you chat with somebody? Like do you have somebody that you talk to after every game? Like do you, talk, do you call home? Do you talk to mom, dad? 
Yeah, absolutely. Especially after, uh, you know, the game against Miami, you kind of, I called my dad and yeah. he kind of just said like, wow, like you just, you played against Iguain kind of thing. Yeah. It's crazy to, to think that I, I shared the pitch with him and, and have that success as a team that we did. And just, just things like that. He's a, a massive soccer fan or we're always fans first. Right. So I think just him, he was, uh, yeah, just super proud and just, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good memory for both of us to have. And then also just coaches and, and, um, really close friends that I have back home. Mm-hmm. Um, I always kind of bounce ideas off them and kind of ask, okay, where was I good? Where was I bad? And, and uh, yeah, I always do that stuff like that and call home and just to get a perspective on things because um, in the moment it's kind of hard to realize, uh, you know, and to enjoy it. All right, give me a, give me a good Iguain story from last weekend. Did he tell you anything? <laughs> um, I Well, I mean, honestly, we, we, I saw, we saw the temper there, Joel, at the end. I mean, he picked up the red card. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I I didn't actually see that. I was uh, I think I was talking to someone else on Miami or walking up the pitch. I didn't really see kind of what what transpired, but uh, I know my dad said uh, I think on a corner kick I pushed him or something like that, and he <laughs> said I was just it was crazy that I was even pushing him or whatever. So it's just just small memories like that that in the moment you don't really see that are that special, but when your career is done, you'll kind of look back and be like, wow, like uh, you know I kind of did that, which was which is nice. I'm a little disappointed you didn't go for the jersey swap, Joel. Yeah, it was uh, right now. I think because of COVID, we're actually not allowed. Oh, right. Doing the whole jersey swap thing, I right. think it's uh, kind of against the rules. But uh, hopefully, in the next couple of years here in my career, I'll have an opportunity to to do things like that. He's Joel Waterman of the Montreal Impact, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Uh, so I was I was curious about this. We haven't really been able to see many training sessions this year. Uh, here in Montreal, obviously. But how involved is Terry Henry in terms of, you know, helping out the defense and positioning you guys and barking orders with you guys and stuff like that? Or is he more focused on the attacking players? Oh, he's very focused on, on every position. I think, uh, you know, we, it's been difficult because we haven't had a lot of time to, to try and practice the tactics he wants and formation he wants and, and the, the kind of way we want to play. I think you saw it a little bit against Miami there, the way we want to play in terms of playing out the back and playing good football and um, I think with a little bit more time, you can kind of get those things across to us. But yeah, he's very involved in, in every position. And uh, we do a lot of good video sessions in terms of what he wants to see from the back line and what he wants to see going forward and as a team. And uh, yeah, he's very involved in every position. Like when we get to talk to him on Zoom, he's very serious, very focused on the game and stuff. But you know, a lot of the you know your teammates that have come on the show have said that he he's you know he does have a sense of humor behind closed doors. Can you give me a, a good Terry Henry sense of humor story? <laughs> um, no, I think that's just part of who he is. Also, I think um, you guys obviously aside of him when when he's in that role as well. And there's obviously times where. You know, we're serious, and most of the time we are because we're here to do a job, but there's also times that we can let loose. And, and you know, in the locker room, he's uh, especially after the win against Miami, he was uh, a pretty happy guy. But then again, um, we have a game coming up against New York, so it's, it's short-lived, and we're kind of back to business. But, uh, yeah, he's always he's always cracking jokes and, and doing different stuff. So, it's uh, yeah, he's, he's fun to be around. Anybody ask you, how many people, like, is, does dad hit you up for autographs and stuff like that? Like, have you been hit up by friends and family for Thierry Henry? Uh, nah, I think it's, uh, nah, I think they understand it too. I think it's, uh, you know, they realize the, the position I'm in and, and they're proud. But I think at the same time, they know it's, it's my job at the end of the day. And, and uh, yeah, like I said, we're just here to kind of do a job. And now we're, the playoff push is coming, so we'll kind of focus on that and, and uh, but they they think they think it's pretty cool. 
What's a typical off night in the hotel like in Jersey? Like when you guys don't have, you know, it's not the night before a game or it's not game day or anything like that. Like what are you guys up to? Yeah, I think um, a lot of guys bring like their kind of PlayStations and stuff like that. Um, you know, we play cards and, and different things. Stuff just to try and stay busy. We go for a lot of walks. Yeah. We're, we're in a really good place in Hoboken there where the city, you can see the city. Uh, we're in the harbor there, so we go for you know, a lot of walks, just to try and stay busy. And like I said, try and keep a, a normal lifestyle as much as we can. And um, and then it's also a lot of rest because, like I said, we play every three days and, and a lot of our time is resting and recovering. So it's a lot of, you know, therapy and things of that sort. So, uh, yeah, we just try and stay busy and, and do different things. I'm Joey Alfieri on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Impact Defender Joel Waterman. Uh, so Boyan was actually on the team of the week, and he was player of the week uh, in MLS for, for his performance last week against Miami, Joel. And it's just, I find he he's kind of seems to have found that, that confidence that maybe, you know, being in and out of the lineup with injuries, like he was never able to get into a rhythm. And you just look at what he's able to do to certain defenders, and there's times where they just look like a deer in headlights, uh, 1v1 against Boyan. Did you have a moment like that in practice where he's like he's coming towards you and you're like oh man what do i do yeah absolutely i think he's uh very deservedly so for for player of the week and mls team of the week i think he was amazing against miami he gave us uh so much going forward in terms of creating and also the, the strike he had was was class so um yeah it, it's starting to feel like he's he's finding his feet a little bit after his injuries like you said and um when he's on he's he's uh yeah amazing for us and he can do amazing things in this league so um it's a good time for him to be doing this thing, uh, you know, going to this playoff push here. And, um, yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, super happy that I get the opportunity to not only train against him every day, but just kind of see him on the pitch doing this thing. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, the roster's been turned over quite a bit here. Like, Evan Bush was traded out and Safir's now gone, and you guys have had, you know, they announced that uh, Lapalainen's not going to be back. Like, how do you guys not get discouraged here with four games to go and, and with the playoff chase in full swing? Yeah, there's been a lot of things recently where, you know, uh, that have been uncalled for and stuff that we, we honestly can't control. It's just injuries that pop up, and it's part of the game. Um, it's part of the process and, and where we're at and the scenario that we're in, and we just kind of take it in stride. And, you know, it's a next man up mentality. Like I said, you don't know when your number's going to be called, so we got to stay sharp and fit. And um, we just got to get through it together as a team. We've had meetings and stuff that, that have gone on in terms of, uh, you know, the stuff that's happened and transpired over the last couple weeks. And, um, we all just realize it's, it's part of the process and you're going to lose guys and, and it's going to be, uh, you know, sad for that 24 hours. But again, you've got to bounce back and realize that uh, we're in a prime position here to, to get some points in the next couple of weeks and, and finish the season strong. What do you thought? What have you thought of James Pantemis's first two games in goal? Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty close. He's come pretty close on the yeah. team and he's been excited. And, and uh, yeah, with, with Clem having to deal with his, uh, his personal reasons and going home, James has stepped up to the plate. Um, you know, obviously, you've seen, um, you know, some some stuff that um, he wishes to probably have back in terms of that goal against Miami. But other than that, he was absolutely stellar in the second half. And he uh, he saved us on a couple couple chances there in the second half. And then against New England, I thought he, he his, the, his passing was good. Um, uh, he made some key saves in that game as well. So he stepped up to the plate. And uh, he, he kind of knows that, he deserves to be here, and, and he's going to keep doing his thing as well. I know he he got a couple games in the Canadian Championship last year. You were out in, at Calv- Cavalry. Did you guys did you guys play against him? Um, I personally didn't uh, because I was injured, but my right. team did. Okay, my team did. I think for for one game, I think we he played the home leg, and then I think uh, Clem did. Clem played the away leg. Um, 
So, yeah, for me personally, I didn't get to play against him, but now I've seen him kind of in action, and uh, he's done well the last couple of games for sure. Well, I just want to let you know, Joel, that uh, Amar Sadich came on the show for the first time two weeks ago, and then he scored. On, he's came on on the Saturday, he scored on the Wednesday, and then scored again on the Saturday. So I'm expecting some big things. You've got to keep this going. Yeah, I got. I guess I got to score now. Hey, it's uh, the way things are supposed to go. So, uh, yeah, no, Mars been good too. He's been playing well. So, uh, yeah, hope it continues for for the rest of our squad too. Hang in there, and all the best with the playoffs coming up. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. That's Joel Waterman, defender for the Montreal Impact, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN six ninety. I want to also credit Bojan because a lot of people are asking questions about him, and I think that he has answered a lot of questions recently. And when he plays the way. He's playing at the minute. Uh, we're a different team. Uh, you saw when he turned and he goes forward and he shoots. He's a problem, Boyan, and that's Terry Henry, and thanks to uh, Joel Waterman again for doing that. Uh, listen, interesting decision, interesting dilemma with Boyan coming up because we're, we're going on, uh, it's over a year now that Boyan's been around, but he joined the Impact in the middle of last season. And just never really looked comfortable. There was a couple moments where you're like, wow, okay, this guy is good. You know, there was a long-distance goal at TFC. Um, but he just never looked like what we thought he would be. And maybe that's partly my fault and our fault because we built up expectations for Boyan. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of the guy who, you know, Piatti was on the way out, so Boyan was supposed to be the next one. But he hadn't lived up to the hype. Then this year, came into the season, there has been the starts and stops, and he's been banged up a couple times. But now we're going on like a month and a half, two months, where Boyan has taken the bull by the horns, and he looks like he's the most dangerous attacking threat that the Impact have with Romel Kyoto. He's looked really good. Now, I remind you that the contract comes to an end at the end of 2020, but there is a club option that the impact have, but they need to make him a designated player if by picking up that option. So my gut right now tells me that they're not going to pick up the option, but he can make the, like with a playoff run, he can definitely change that. I think they turn down the option and maybe you try to renegotiate another contract, try to bring him in. I think he's on like one and a half million dollars per year right now. And maybe you can get him for somewhere in that, you know, 1.5, 1.6 range. But Boyan is definitely making the decision interesting, if I can say that. Yeah, it's just I felt like tactically they thought that he could just slot into the left side like Piatti did and do exactly what Piatti was doing, and that's just not who he is. I think he's, I think we've seen that he's he operates best in the middle of the park, right behind. The striker. It also doesn't help that the impact don't have a clearly defined striker. That doesn't exactly help his case. But um, whatever negotiation he has with the club going forward, whether it is for for a DP or whether it is just to be signed to a contract, I'd want for him, or if I were his representatives, I'd want that to be a part of it being like, we know where my best position is. You've never played me in my best position. The way that they've set up under Thierry Henry has been three midfielders in the middle and they, they, they go three, uh, one at left wing, one in center forward, and one on the right wing, and he just hasn't worked in either one of those spots for me. So I think it's a tactical thing, and also he hasn't brought it. But again, but it's it's tough are you going to go? Are it's you a gonna different country, different style yeah. of play, and like there's been starts and stops but and injuries. But he has so much talent. He does. He has so much ability that when he just gets that small 
it felt like for a long time it was a confidence issue where oh, I think it was, he 100%. never took guys on one-on-one. Yeah. And then whenever he does, yeah. you can tell that he's able to get by whoever he wants. He just doesn't want to do that. So, You're seeing that shiftiness back. Yeah. And I think the shiftiness in the final third, you know, it makes him unpredictable when he's 1v1 with a defender, like you said. And if he continues to take guys on, and we know, I mean, we've seen, I think all his goals have come from, it's seemingly outside the box. Uh, but when he does have that shiftiness, when he is willing to take the guys on, I, I'm 100% in agreement with Terry Henry. They're a different squad. They're a totally different squad. And I just, John, if he, there's four games left starting tonight on TSN 690 at New York City. If he takes off, now the tight air is gone, all right, and he finishes the last month, like, strong. Mm-hmm. And then they go around two or three in the playoffs, and he's leading the way again? Like, how do you not pick up the option? Oh, of course. Well, right. Well, th- that's going to change everything. But I think I would be comfortable going into next season as much as I'd like to see someone else playing alongside Wanyama. Yeah. Um, I'd be comfortable with not necessarily a midfield three, but your midfield two of Piet and Wanyama, and then having Boyan just right behind the striker. But again, it would it would require a tactical switch for Thierry Henry. Right. But I think that that's how he plays the best is he's got to be in tight spaces with someone right ahead of him playing one-twos, and then he's also able to pick up those pockets of space where he can actually threaten goal from 20 to 25 yards out. Yeah, because that signing was a big deal when it happened. For sure. And, and it just like it was frustrating to see that a guy with so much talent just couldn't put it all together. But finally, it's all together, and the impact are that much more dangerous uh, when they have uh, Boyan going. I love Thierry Henry. Obviously, they played together at Barcelona. I love the Bojan. He calls him Bojan. I like that. I, I think it, I'm pretty sure Boyan has its pronounced Boyan. Like, that's what we were told oh, when so, he first so got you here. You think this is like so a, the manager, you think this is like a Catalan thing where I he's like, know. yeah, you know, you guys uh, over I'll pronounce in Catal- the name however yeah. I want. You guys Jerry over in Catalonia, you say Barcelona, it's <laughs> Barcelona. You know what? Just shut up and it's Boyan. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, if they keep winning, I don't think anybody cares how you pronounce anything. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers have an opportunity to go up 3-1 in the World Series tonight. How do the Rays get back in the series? Canadian press baseball writer Fred Degg will break it down for us on TSN 690. This is Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri and John Still. Welcome back. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon. We will be talking World Series uh, with my buddy Fred Degg from the Canadian press in uh, just a couple of minutes. But I just wanted to revisit... Our Saturday sports poll question, which you can find on TSN 690's Twitter page and uh, my Twitter page as well, at Joey Alfieri. The question uh, regarding Antonio Brown and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is, do you like the move for the Bucks? And uh, right now, overwhelming, no, 64% say they don't like the decision to bring in an Antonio Brown. And I get it. It's just like I mentioned earlier on in the show, the Buccaneers are humming. Defensively, right now, they're one of the best units in the NFL. And offensively, you finally started to see them gelling as a unit. And bringing in Antonio Brown, it's high risk. And I just I don't know if it's high reward. I think I'm, it's high risk, medium reward. I'm surprised it's 65%. But then again, uh, there is a strong uh, Raiders as well as Steelers contingent in this city. That I believe also that's a good plays point. A part in that's this. a yeah. That's a that's a fair point. They've too. been burned by Antonio Brown, so their rage. I, I was I was expecting it to be more closer to fifty fifty, but uh, the people have spoken. So was I. Yeah, the people are and the people are usually right. 
the majority anyway. Uh, but you can vote on that poll question on Twitter, at Joey Alfieri, at TSN 690 on Twitter. Now, a bunt up the first baseline. That is going to score Bellinger. Troy, underhanded flip to Lau at first, and the Dodgers take a 4 nothing lead. Some small ball for the home run hitting champion Dodgers. The 0-2, and there's a fly ball to left field. Well hit. It's got a chance, and it's gone! A home run! Austin Barnes, his first home run of the postseason. And the Dodgers take a 6-1 to one lead. Ah, some small ball, some long ball from Austin Barnes. That was fun last night. That was I, I don't want to say that was like a TBT uh, baseball game, but there was definitely a little uh, old-school baseball there. And uh, to join, uh, joining us now to talk about the World Series, he's uh, my good buddy from the Canadian Press. He's a very successful author. He's written books uh, such as uh, Raconte-moi Shea Weber and Raconte-moi Marc-Andre Fleury. And he has another book coming out in April. I can't wait for this one. Chips. Peanuts, Cracker Jack, Savoureuse Histoire des Expos. He's Fred Degg. Fred, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great, Joey. Thank you for my, for uh, having me on. Yeah, no, no problem, no problem. I, I know uh, we've been, uh, you know, we've been side by side for a lot of baseball press conferences in the city, and I don't think there's a better baseball reporter in the city than you. You well, do, do you agree? I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> no, I don't agree with that. But uh, thank you, thank you for uh, notifying that I'm working on the topic. Okay, <laughs> so I want to I want <laughs> I want to get into the uh, the Montreal baseball scene. We'll we'll do that a little bit later on. Uh, but I want to ask you about what we saw last night. There's been this discussion about analytics and how it's ruining the entertainment value. Uh, of baseball for fans and media, and, and I agree. Like the seven pitching changes and seven innings, like that, it's <laughs> ridiculous to me. But last night, you know, Mookie Betts steals a couple more bases. Uh, we saw the uh, safety squeeze by Austin Barnes. I love it. It was it was, it was re- we, Fred. We had a pitcher go six innings last night. It's unheard of today. It was great. I, I enjoyed myself last night. What a game! And that that's what I was telling to John uh, before going on air. Uh, I think I've watched all the games this this postseason except one, maybe, and we've had tremendous baseball. Even though the analytics is kind of killing it for me too a bit, but we've we've had wonderful baseball. And the World Series is 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 one of the greatest of the last few years, maybe so far. Um, yeah, yesterday a safety squeeze uh, started going six, and and even even uh, Martin, I mean, he, he was a kind of catch. I felt like that Kevin Cash wanted to uh, uh, leave him hanging a bit longer there, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, maybe remembering uh, what happened in the first game, he, he, he pulled him after four and two-thirds, but uh, uh, Martin was having a good game too. That was a great pitching duel between two of the finest World Series pitchers of the last few years, really. That was a great great game yesterday. Yeah, and that four-seam fastball from Walker Bueller, I mean, it was ridiculous. He had ten strikeouts, he gave up three hits, uh, in the six innings of work last night. And Walker Bueller, I mean, just very quickly, you mentioned how, how much success he's had uh, in the World Series and in October. I mean, this is one of the great young pitchers in baseball right now, and he's a lot of fun to watch. And I was telling John this uh, off the top of the show, I have no rooting interest either way. I either want this to go five games because I want Kershaw, Kershaw to be able to clinch it tomorrow night, or I want it to go seven because I want to see Walker Bueller again. <laughs> yeah, that. That's true, because uh, and uh, I don't want to rehash what uh, uh, Jason Stark wrote on on the Athletic this morning, but uh, he 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 just analyzed how great Walker Bueller uh, Walker Bueller is at only 26 compared to all the greatest pitchers from October from the past 
50 to 60 years and and his name is all is over there with with the Koufaxes and and Arshizers and uh even you know even uh I why do I forget his name now Kurt Chilling yeah he, I mean it was he's just that good and and he's 26 so if the Dodgers can keep a good team around for a few years He's going to shatter every World Series record if he if he keeps on the same pace. Mm -hmm. I I know that you know the Rays the entire postseason have been swinging and missing a lot, but it's yeah. finally it seems like it's finally starting to uh, catch up to them. How concerned are you for Tampa Bay heading into this game tonight? Very concerned because because they're not hitting uh, since the beginning of the postseason. They're hitting for a two hundred average, barely above two hundred. I think it's two hundred and eight this morning. Uh, yeah, 206 this morning. That's for the World Series and for the entire postseason is 208. So this is really concerning. I mean, you, you can't win games by, by hitting one hit out of, out of every five at bats. I, I mean, it's, it's impossible. And, um, since the beginning of the World Series, the Dodgers starters have gone through six innings. Mind you, it's only a two game, uh, you know, uh, we only have two games to refer to, but there's two. There are two starters. I've gone six innings, mm -hmm. and tonight you're faced with Urias, who's, who has been very good in both a starter and a reliever. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the, the Rays bats has got to heat up because because they're in big trouble. You can't go down three one against these Dodgers. I mean, he, he, you just can't. Yeah, no, you, you especially with you know we saw Kershaw. Uh, he got off to a shaky start in Game 1, but after the first inning, he was locked in. Uh, I wouldn't want to go into Game 5 facing a, a locked-in Clayton Kershaw tomorrow night with the series on the line. Uh, no. There's absolutely no way. He's Fred Degler of the Canadian Press, joining us on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. Uh, all right, this was Commissioner Rob Manfred on the Dan Patrick Show yesterday. I want to get your thoughts on this, Fred. The only okay. um, thing that I, I can say that I've made my mind up about – and. I actually made my mind up about it pre-COVID was I would like to expand the playoffs. Um, I don't think 16 teams is the right number, but something bigger than 10 is right. And I, I we will pursue that either next year or the the, the following year. I, so I, I guess that's if it's 10 is too few and 16 is too many, I'm assuming we're looking at 12 or, or 14. What do you think about expanding the, the playoff field from the 10, but shrinking it from the 16 we saw this year? Um, I, I think it, it makes uh, a lot of sense uh, business-wise for Major League Baseball keeping more markets uh, in a race uh, later in the season. Um, could you imagine that if there would have been 10 or 12 or 14 teams in the playoffs when the Expos were around? They would have made the playoffs a whole lot more times than they did. And this team would still be here. Yeah. I, so it's, it's, I know that, that baseball has is very conservative and it's it's very elitist that the playoffs is for the very best teams but you know what it's 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 going to be 2021 next season and and uh, if you want to attract more uh maybe uh, fans maybe younger fans i think you have to keep more markets in a tight race mm -hmm. up to the very end if you can and um you know the nhl uh, is is uh, 16 teams um, what about the NBA? Is it 16-2? Yeah. I think it is. Um, you know, the NFL is uh, is up to uh, 12 with the with the wild card weekend. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, even if you play just one game or or, uh, or a best of three for the first round, it's it keeps 
the interest alive in more markets longer, and it can only be better long-term for baseball. All right, I've got a little bit more Manfred for you. I think in all likelihood, we will return. Um, I mean, I think all of the COVID-related rule changes, right? And in that bucket, it's the extra inning rule, the seven-inning doubleheaders, the DH in the National League. Um, those rules, uh, we will return to the status quo absent an agreement with the Players Association. Does that surprise you at all? Um, what is he saying, actually, that they will keep these rules? No, no, that they're going that back they're to the way it was. Well, um, I'm not surprised about the DH. I think uh, National League wants to keep the hitters uh, hitting, the, the pitchers hitting. Um, I'm surprised about the uh, the extra innings rule, uh, and I'll tell you why. Well, that that's starting, Freddie. That's just to be clear for those who aren't aware. That's starting a runner on second base, right, for extras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you why I'm surprised because. You know, baseball games are getting longer and longer every year. And maybe except for the last two seasons uh, where they, they, they crawled back maybe for a, a few minutes. But baseball game is now three hours and a half, a nine-inning baseball game. Yeah. And, you know, let's say TSN 690 has the rights to a future Montreal team and, and you have a time slot of four hours for your pregame and your game. And then you got guests for your postgame show that are waiting around in the studio. And the game goes on for 18 innings. Then you're paying people for nothing. You get free advertisements for your, your, your sponsors because they paid for nine innings, not for 18. I mean, it has to stop somewhere. Broadcasters, they need to know when will the game end. Yeah. And, and, you know, in the postseason, keep it. You know, the old way with no runners on base and you can play 25 innings if you want. But I think that in the regular season, the games have to stop at some point. And you, can have, you can't have games dragging for six hours on a Wednesday evening uh, when these guys have to play at 1 o'clock the Thursday afternoon because, or, or travel right after the game because they're on a travel day to get to their next destination. Games have to stop, and I'm really surprised that the extra innings rules aren't, aren't kept around. He's Fred Degler of the Canadian Press joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri and John Still. John? Fred, um, just getting back to some of the action that's hap- actually happening on the on the diamond, uh, I'd like to pre I'd like to pre- preface this by saying, uh, Boston Red Sox fans, uh, turn off your radio station right now. But uh, Mookie Betts, <laughs> there's been a conversation that uh, perhaps this year and this playoffs combined uh, has brought him into the conversation with Mike Trout as the best player in baseball. I think Mike Trout is still far and away the best player in baseball. Do you think that Mookie has put himself into that conversation? Well, I'm sure Mookie Betts is one of the maybe three or five best players in baseball, if you include pitchers uh, in the mix. Um, the problem is, the problem with Mike Trout is that he's been the best player of uh, in Major League Baseball on, on one of the worst teams for the past uh, five or six years. Mm-hmm. Um, the Angels have, have to get it going. And I mean, now he just painted himself in a corner by by agreeing to a, what, 10-year expansion with, with the Angels? So if the Angels aren't getting better, uh, this guy will miss the postseason for his entire career. That's that. That would be that would be ludicrous. And then if Mookie Betts win a few World Series and and gets into the playoffs with the Dodgers, uh, eight out of the ten next year, so well, it it has to amount to something. I mean, you 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 can't be the best player in baseball if you never get the team to the postseason. But then it, it's not a one man army. I mean, you got to get some people around Mike Trout if you're the Angels if you want to get this team to the next level. So Mookie Betts right now is really good, maybe as good as Astral, but he, 
he had the chance to play on much better teams than Trout so far in his career. Uh, Fred, I know you're really plugged in with the Montreal baseball scene. What's the latest? Like, what are you hearing with Major League Baseball potentially coming back? We listen. We we know, you know, a lot of the, the wheels are in motion and and all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. But what can you tell us as of right now about that dossier? Well, COVID nineteen uh, has um, you know put a break on everything. Uh, everything is moving forward, but to a much slower rhythm that the Montreal group was hoping and expecting for twenty twenty. Um, the last time we heard about Stephen Bronfman and his group is when the uh, Office de Consultation to de Montréal issued his report on mm-hmm. the uh, Bassin Peel uh, uh, development. And um, Mayor Valérie Plante asked the group to have you know, something more precise, something clearer as a plan. And um, then they, they answered that they, they heard what Mayor Plante had to say, but then it was everything shut down and we didn't hear anything from them. Um, I, I, I got them to um, comment on some of uh, 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 Stu Sternberg's comment uh, a few months back when, uh, during the season, he said that the uh, sister city plan was still going on. So we heard from Tampa that it was still on. And uh, when, I, when I asked for a comment from the Montreal group, they said, yeah, they're still working on the, on, uh, on the project. That's the, the last time we heard a, a, an official comment from the group. What I hear from people very close to this group is that they're still working on buying the piece of land in the Bassin Peel uh, area uh, to develop and put the stadium there. Um, things are still ongoing with the Tampa Bay Rays regarding the Twin City project. And I think that um, whether the Rays win or lose the World Series won't change anything for their market. When they went to the World Series in 2008, I think eight of the ten next seasons, they were last or uh, second to last in attendance. I mean, winning the World Series or attending the World Series, participating in the World Series doesn't move the stadium in downtown Tampa, and it's still a 45-minute commute to get to St. Pete to the Tropicana Field, and, and this won't change. So, I, I, I mean, COVID has put uh, some things on hold. But the Montreal group is still moving forward, albeit to a slower pace. Thanks for doing this, Fred. And we're really looking forward to uh, chips, peanuts, Cracker Jack, Savoir's Histoire des Expo, uh, which will hit the shelves in April. Thank you very much, Fred. Thanks for uh, for having me on, Joey. That's Fred Degg of the Canadian Press, fantastic uh, baseball reporter in the city. And uh, so the, the sister cities thing is... So it looks like that's that's the plan. That's what both sides want to do. Basically, what that's what Freddie said there. Are you surprised by that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a flawed plan in the end. Um, is it flawed though, or is it just different? No, it's flawed. I don't know if it's flawed. It's flawed. I mean, but John, you don't have to get the eighty-one games. Like people our age, they don't they don't have the attention. Eighty-one times three and a half, four hours a night. I don't know. Like I trust me, I want. You know, a team to that belonged to my city only. No, but but if this is the quickest way, I, I don't know if it's flawed. I think it's just different. It's an outside the box. I think it's just flawed because um, apparently you would have to have the regardless of whether there's going to be baseball in Tampa, you would have to have a new arena at some point. They, they've been talking about that forever, a new ballpark, and I can't understand why the city council in Tampa Bay would approve 
putting together a new ballpark for half the amount of games that they would usually be showing. Yeah. So I, right there for me, I don't know how you could possibly get Tampa to agree to that. On top of that, um, again, selfishly, I think that uh, I was cheering for the Rays to win the World Series because I uh, believe that no one will show up. Uh, to their uh, to their World Series uh, parade parade. Oh, it'll or be a full out parade in or Florida bo- or boat show or yeah. whatever the heck the Tampa Bay Lightning were doing. Uh-huh. But uh, I've been convinced that uh, if the Rays lose in the World Series, this would basically be kind of the the death knell for uh, for the fandom out in Tampa Bay. So uh, go Dodgers, <laughs> go. Dodgers. All right, and a reminder, we will have Game 5. Maybe it's a clinching game uh, of the World Series for the Dodgers. Game 5 tomorrow night. Tonight, we do have Montreal Impact Soccer with myself and Olivier Brett. Uh, that gets going at uh, 6.30. Uh, but a little hockey talk now. An important member of the Montreal Canadiens is playing his first game of the 2020-2021 season over in Europe today. Who is that? And what do we know about his current situation? We'll tell you on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Closing moments, Saturday sports, Joey Alfieri, John Still on TSN 690. Got a couple minutes left and uh, mentioned that there was uh, an important part of the Canadiens roster that is playing his first game of the 2020-2021 European season. And Twitter is ablaze right now because the game actually got going uh, at 11.30 Eastern time. Jesperi Kotkaniemi is in the lineup for Pori. He's wearing number 93. And his line mates, John Still, mm-hmm. Sebastian Wanstrom. Wanstrom, Wanstrom was drafted by St. Louis in uh, the second round in 2010. He played 89 games in the AHL, and uh, so that's one winger. The other winger, Nikolai Mayer, is from Denmark, and he has uh, these two World Hockey Championship tournaments under his belt. He has a goal and six assists in eight games, almost a point per game player in the Finnish league this season. And Kotkaniemi, I'm just like some people are tweeting out the highlights because the game is not available; uh, it's geo-blocked, so you can't watch it here. Um, but Kotkaniemi, there there are clips that are circulating on Twitter, and I got to tell you, I just saw one of Kotkaniemi absolutely destroying an opponent. Terrific, terrific. in the corner. I'm sure Claude Julien will love that after what we saw in the playoffs. Uh, for me. Uh, if he doesn't get uh, four points today, uh, don't even come back. To the National Stop Hockey that. Just stay Stop in that. Finland. Stop that. I mean, that. Uh, I'm expecting a hat trick. Uh, I'm expecting. Uh, <laughs> I want to be nice. People have been too reasonable in this market for the past like month or so. It's all these moves <laughs> Mark Bergevin is doing. I need some some fan nonsense here. I want people to go crazy if Jesperi Kakinyemi doesn't have a point per game in the Finnish league. I mean, uh, come on, let, let's have some stupidity here. I need it. All I know is that he destroyed somebody in this game. I'm not sure uh, what's going on. Like I don't even have a scoreboard update for you. Although the last update I have is is one nothing for uh, the opponent. Uh, but uh, Pori and Jesperi Kotkaniemi centering the second line, and uh, he's laid out at least one big hit already. That's what we've got. Jesperi Kotkaniemi is throwing his weight around much like he did. Uh, after the, what the NHL got back, and he laid out some penguins, Love and that. some flyers. And he, he was he was he's he bulked was de- up. He was determined to scare Robert Hag even more than he already had. <laughs> exactly. But um, just a quick question here to end yes. this uh, yes. on uh, Saturday ahead. Sports: uh, Josh Anderson or Tyler Toffoli? Who's playing alongside Yesperi Kakanyemi? I have Toffoli. Oh. Toffoli and Byron. Is what oh, is I was how just I would no, no. Of the, on the, of right the side, right sides, I have yeah. no no I have him with Toffoli and Byron and uh, we only have a couple seconds left so I'll run through this quickly. 
but I would make sure because Josh Anderson, everyone loved the trade, right? Like they got the big power forward, yada yada yada. But then once they signed the seven-year extension with Josh Anderson, it was like, ooh, I kind of like this a little less. <laughs> you need Josh Anderson to get off to a good start, and when somebody needs to get off to a good start, you put him with one of two players. Brendan Gallagher, which you can't do because they play the same position, or Nick Suzuki. Do you remember how Nate Thompson looked when Nick Suzuki was playing right wing on the fourth line with him? Nate I Thompson don't. looked incredible. I forgot about at Nate the Thompson. En- at the end of the playoffs, when they needed Jonathan Drouin to get going, who'd they put him with? Nick Suzuki, and he looked better than he ever had during any at any point of that playoff run. You need Josh Anderson to get off to a good start, coming off the injury, got the long deal. You need to put Josh Anderson with Nick Suzuki. And I think Toffoli goes with Kotkaniemi on the right side. And you can put Byron or Lekin on the left. I personally, I prefer Byron. It gives you a little more offense, a little more speed there. Uh, but that's who I think Kotkaniemi should play with. And Kotkaniemi, again, uh, making his uh, season debut for Pori in the Finnish League. It was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you to Sasha Gavami, who joined us in the first hour to break down the NFL and uh, CFL scene. Uh, Joel Waterman of the Montreal Impact will be in action tonight on TSN 690 at 6.30 against New York City FC. Uh, he joined us in the second hour. And uh, Fred Degle of the Canadian Press broke down the World Series and the Montreal baseball scene with us uh, just a few minutes ago. Uh, if you missed anything, you'll be able to find it momentarily on the TSN 690 uh, website on the podcast page. If you want to hear the entire show, if you missed uh, hour one, or a part of Hour 2 or whatever, uh, you can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Play, or SoundCloud. The whole show uh, will be available there. John, thanks, man. Have a great weekend. Cheers, bud. As always. We'll be back next Saturday.